Hi, this is Sandy Hill. And this is Chris Mitchell, and we are with Data Projections, and we are excited to bring to you yet another episode of Simply Connected. Simply Connected is a bi-monthly podcast that gives us the opportunity to answer some of the most frequently asked questions um, when it comes to AV integration and functionality, both in schools and in the corporate market. And with each episode, we will address a new topic, look at a new solution in the industry, and on occasion, we will introduce you to some of the industry experts, experts we work with. We look forward to sharing with you the ever-changing technology world of classrooms, conference rooms, and more. Hey, Chris, I'm excited about this. I'm looking forward to hearing the rest of your discussion with Daniel Blystone from TMI. Yeah, it, it's... Uh... The conversation that he and I had started off really just about, hey, what was going on in the classroom for you all during the pandemic, and it really turned into a whole lot more. And so I'm happy to kind of bring this to you guys and excited for you all to hear it, because in this next episode, in this this uh, as we conclude the conversation, we really kind of talk about not just, uh, you know, we talked about how they pivoted last year, and this year it's about how they're adapting and and how they are ready if they need to um, go remote, but also what they've learned and how they're going to, how they are using that to project into the next four or five years of what the classroom could be, which uh, is not where I thought saw the conversation going. And it's a pretty cool little, little thing. Hmm. I'm excited. So here's the rest of that conversation with Daniel. Looking at 2021, 2022 school year, Number one, I know I think you guys actually are starting school tomorrow, right? Or right, uh, we this are. week, right? And yes. so what are you guys doing with the school year, at least to start with, but with with the pandemic and the, and it, and the Delta variant and everything else going on right now, you know, what will you guys do if you if you are pushed back into a virtual learning experience? What, what's, the, what's that going to look like for you guys? Right, exactly. We, we made the choice to, to not do virtual at all, um, um, or hybrid, I should say, at right. all. Um, if we have to go virtual, we will go virtual. Uh, the nice thing about doing virtual is that at that point, we don't really have to worry about the classroom. So it'll, it's either going to be all or nothing at this point. Um, we can still have our teachers in their classroom, or they can be at home either way. But we are not. We're not going to have a subset of students that are at home, it, it's all or none. Um, so what we have in place now is more than adequate to, to handle that. I mean, sure, we don't have the nice interactive touch boards. We don't have the, uh, you know, the, the, all the bells and whistles that we would normally have in a classroom. Um, but the, you know, we're, we're not going to put the cameras back in the classroom. The cameras are only gonna be on the laptops. Um, the, the student devices, uh, we have, we, we changed our recommended, because um, we're, we're a one-to-one -one BOIOD school. So everybody has to bring their own laptop and we, we give them specifications to make it usable. So we changed them a little bit, or I changed them, I should say. Um, I added Chromebooks because, you know, some people don't want to spend a ton of money on a machine. Um, and Chromebooks have become a little bit more robust. Uh, we, we, we allow students to use, you know, if they want to use a MacBook, they can use a MacBook. We, you know, if they want to use a, a PC, they can use a PC. Uh, so, you know, almost it doesn't matter, but the, 
I have a minimum set that I want them to at least have a webcam to at least have um, uh, some storage on their machine, like you know, an SD card or a, a hard drive or something like that. They, they need to have speakers, they need to have headphones. They need, I mean, we laid out what we want them to have. So it works well if they're on campus or off campus. Uh, the uh, and uh, and uh, what it's done, what all of this has done is, is I, I have, I'm, my long range planning is getting further and further out. Um, you know, instead of thinking about the next three years, I'm going five to ten years. I mean, how, how am I going to change my how am I going to change my classrooms? Uh, the the one thing I did learn is you need to make sure every classroom is identical. Um, if you're going to do hybrid. Every one of your classrooms need to have the same technology, period. And that way, teachers that float, teachers that move, change classrooms each day, yeah, they, they want the same thing that they're going to have in each, each room. And also for the students, too, as they are going from teacher to teacher, especially when you're in that middle mm -hmm. school and high school age group, who are with the students who are floating, they're switching yeah. between classrooms. And that's the same experience for them as well. Exactly. That, so you, it's that structure that they're not getting. Um, right in the classroom yeah you want that experience to be the same i mean I, i've thought about the ideal classroom over and over and over again and and ultimately does it have at least two cameras yes it does it has a camera that's focused on the classroom it has a camera that's focused on the instructor um, do i you know i want a speaker system in the classroom that i can use to play uh, media I also want that media to be able to be played remotely. And so I would need you know, something that I can take my laptop that has my content that I've created as a teacher and play it both online and in the classroom at the same time without having to worry about it. Do I just come in, effectively dock my laptop, everything is, is, is ready to go and it just pushes out to both, both directions, either over the internet or into the classroom. I need I need microphones. I, I need quality microphones that can specifically pick up the instructor, and it wouldn't hurt to have questions from the students be heard in the classroom as well. And on the other side, yeah, the students that are remote, if they could interact with just being heard and not seen, that would be great too. Right. Because uh, it, it does it does make it it is a distraction. So. Um, having a, a monitor in the back of the classroom behind the students that would have the remote students on it, the, the teacher would feel more like they're in the classroom. It's a continuation of the room. Exactly. So, I mean, they, they, would, they would see the, the teacher on the other end. The teacher would see their students on the other end. The, the students, sure, they could turn around, but the teacher can see that and say, hey, no, focus up here. You know, things like that. The... Uh, I mean, right now, I mean, yes, the Delta variant is is getting kind of um, getting kind of nasty, and uh, you know, I'm. <laughs> well, it's it's interesting you say that because you know you've got as of today, I think there's four public school districts within the state, and I think they're all in rural areas, but four of them who've already shut the doors for the next couple of weeks to quarantine because yeah. the outbreak has gotten so bad at the districts. But I think from what I'm reading and what I'm hearing and, and talking to a superintendent last week, the concern really is with the faculty and the staff because they don't have mm -hmm. enough substitutes, right? Right. To handle it. If they have if they have half their faculty go down, 
and have to be quarantined, they don't have the, the substitutes to to handle right. it. Um, and, and ironically, who do, who do you usually get as a substitute? A retired teacher. Retired teachers. Who retired are teachers. Compromised. Yes, exactly. So uh, you're not going to have as many available substitutes, right? Regardless, I mean, because they, they, they don't want to do it. They don't want to. They don't want to do the remote stuff because they're they're they didn't experience enough of it. They don't right. have that. Well, and and I think the having the ability and what you guys, you know, I, I love the idea of like, what's the classroom of the future, you know, five, 10 years down the road look like, but, but to have the mo the mobility that I think you kind of have come down to and how you've narrowed it down at the end of last year to be able to say, Hey, if we have to, we're going to be able to go fairly quickly and, mm -hmm. and have a good experience, whether my, my teacher's in the classroom or whether they're at home, whether the students are in the classroom, you're going to be able to have that remote and, 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 quickly transition, which I think is key within all that. And and I think that one other question that kind of with that five to 10 year plan kind of thing you're, like you were talking about, you know, I remember one time hearing some different things that were like, you know, this is going to be the end of the uh, end of the bad weather day, right? Because, mm -hmm. you, you know, all these things that, you know, they, well, schools are going to get to the point where they're going to understand how to, to do this. And anytime there's a bad weather day and it's a, a snow day, an ice day, or or a flooding day, you know, or a hurricane or whatever, we're still going to be able to have school. It's just the kids are going to be at home, the teachers are going to be at home or whatever it may be. And I think you guys, you've set yourself up to be able to do that. Um, I think a lot of the public schools have not. Um, right. A lot of people haven't, I think. And that's not because they didn't want to. I think because they just were hand, uh, you know, kind of hamstrung a little bit by it all. But, you know, I think, you know, I, I ask, you know, the, you know, what we what you went through last year what schools and technology uh departments went through in the last year and a half what do you think is what are a couple of key things that that you all maybe experience or learned that will be applied yearly now no matter what no pandemic is there something that's going to be carried over from what we learned in the pandemic absolutely we, we, we learned a lot about multimedia because uh, effectively, our our classrooms became multimedia classrooms. Um, we also learned, you know, how how to to how to find the right tools that are available everywhere. And we were taking more of those those tools that were only in the classroom and making them cloud available. So, you know. How do, how do I get a kid to watch a, a YouTube video or something of that nature and then um, be able to have them stop and answer questions? And there, there, are, there are ed tech software pieces out there that allow you to do that, where you can, you can have it stop, you can have a question asked, they can move on and a question can be asked and then they, they almost become self-grading quizzes. Mm -hmm. But we've our, our our student information system is 100% out in the cloud. Um, we have the ability to use things like Zoom or Google or Teams um, to communicate. We we've got uh, uh, you know we have the bandwidth on campus that allows us to bring in as much media as we can and and share it in the classroom or even share it out of the classroom if we needed to. 
Um, and, and the whole thing about bad weather days, it's like, yes, they, we, we could get rid of bad weather days, but we also have to take into, the, into account what the student has. If their network on their end, if their, their connection to the internet is not as good, it could have gone out. It could have, they, their phone could be out, their, their internet could be out, uh, you name it. Uh, being a private school, I mean, most of our families have a decent speed internet. Right. Uh, public public schools completely different. I mean, one of one of my favorite um, um, situations was with the Edgewood School District in San Antonio. Their technology director basically took the entire district, which is <laughs> the smallest district in San Antonio, and turned it into a Wi-Fi hotspot. So any student anywhere within the district could have Edgewood School District provided network. They're probably one of the poorest too, but they were, they were able to get funding to do this. Yeah, it, it taught us how to be creative. It taught us how to expand all of our resources and use, use what we have in a different way. It told us how to plan for the future. It told us how to do all these things and, and you know, right now, I mean, I, I'm continually thinking, sure, we, we've gotten almost, we've got the highest um, um, enrollment we've had ever at TMI right now. Um, and what's going to happen if, you know, cases rise so high that we have to have to quarantine again, you know, have to go down on lockdown. I mean, what to, what do we do? You know, then in that sense, we're, we're pretty much prepared because a lot of our stuff is is out there in the cloud. It's it doesn't have to be right there in the classroom. Right. You know, teachers can can give kids a PDF over the internet that has all the materials that they need. Um, you know, our, our science teachers can come up with labs that can be done in the kitchen. Um, you know, little little changes like that. Right. That, uh, that just totally nobody thought about. I mean. Well, and I think, you know, I know one thing at, at TMI, and maybe this is a whole other uh, episode in the podcast here, Daniel, but I know at TMI, um, one of the things that you guys have really been pushing towards and moving towards is is innovative thinking and, and, and design thinking for the students and teaching them to, to not just think with the, through the books, right? And, and not mm -hmm. just think through the textbooks and different things, but really to, to think outside the box and collaborative learning and whatnot. And, you know, I think, you know, there's so many podcasts or, you know, blogs and things that you see out there that are talking about how, you know, uh, we're teaching our children and training our children to be prepared for um, work and be prepared for the professional world in so many ways. Um, and, and I saw, you know, I saw one the other day and I, and I want to keep looking for them, but really how education today and how we do school today um, is going to change work um, in the future. And how I think the way the kids of this generation are going through school and, and, and how that'll eventually will change in the higher education world, but how it's going to really kind of, I think the, the hybrid model in, in the work mode, how's that gonna change the professional field in five to 10 years? What's that gonna look like? Um, and, and I think a lot of people are thinking that that hybrid work model is, gonna, is here to stay. But then again, I think a lot of people thought that part of the, you know, 
uh, virtual classroom, what's going to be here to stay. And, and really what you're saying is like, you know what, there's, there's some good things about it, but we really don't want to do it if we don't have to. Right. Um, and so I think it's going to be interesting to see how students who have gone through this and, and even in the next couple of years um, grow through it, uh, when they become the professionals, what that does to the professional world and work. Exactly. I mean, we, one of the one of the biggest things, and I would I would talk to people about this, and you know, it's it's kind of the psychology of of being, uh, being human, so to speak. Um, we were inherently, you, you, even if you're an extrovert, even if you're an introvert, you know, we we're still so social beings. We need that interaction. Um, it's it doesn't feel right to be done over a, a, a computer screen. So you know you want to be in the same room with somebody. You want to be in the same space, so your ideas are you know they flow better. The the, the biggest thing is you know you've got people that um, now you know, that, that used to be workaholics. They would be at at work all day long, eight, nine, ten, twelve hours uh, without fail. Um, they were forced to go home. They were forced to work from home and working from home has its distractions. And some of those distractions are good. Some are bad. Um, you, you know, you, <laughs> you don't have to worry about, uh, you know, you know, jumping up and going over to the bathroom and waiting in line or, you know, whatever. Uh, so we kind of got used to that. And, you know, in, in the, in the education world, everything is timed down to it has five minute breaks in between classes um, you know teachers sometimes don't have time to go and just take care of themselves for 10 minutes um, you know they either they have an off period or they don't um, you know that kind of thing well and and one one thing that actually came to me uh recently when you talk about the five minute passing periods and whatnot for teachers a lot of times is for a lot of these teachers, they what they're given 45 minutes or an hour or whatever it is, and it's it's jam packed, and it usually takes a few minutes for everything to get started like normal. But then they're they're trying to use as much of their time as possible, and then the class ends and the kids start moving around, and maybe the virtual kids turn off, and the kids in the classroom begin walking around, and they have to stop, they have to end, they have to make sure their class was recorded, they have to make sure they have to basically end this whole meeting that they were in and then restarted it. And it's not just like, you know, uh, back when I was in the classroom and, and the kids would leave, I'm like, all right. And I would just kind of minimize some windows and reopen up some other ones. And I was ready to roll for the next class. Right. Um, there's a lot more just, you know, checks and, and, and whatnot that you have to do to close out a virtual system and turn it back on again the next class and so mm -hmm. yeah, it's just interesting to, like to think about that from the workload standpoint of the workaholic if you will so um, which mm -hmm. is why socio-emotional learning training and and uh, professional development is is a hot button item um, that's out there right now for schools and why it's being funded um, by federal by federal funds right. so. I think ultimately we're, we're going to see a shift in the way education works we're, we're Students have students for a while got used to being able to do it on their terms, um, and they're going to kind of want to do some things on their terms. They're going to want to you know collaborate with their friends. They're going to want to you know they're they're going to want the TikTok style of school because um, you know they're 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 all TikTok fanatics. I mean, not all of them, but a lot of them are. You can you can go down rabbit holes and waste a lot of time when you when you do that. So how do you how do you refocus that? How do you how do you take that and turn it into something positive? 
you know, just break it up into smaller pieces. So about the only way you're going to break it up into smaller pieces is with technology. Yeah. You know, you're going to need audio video technology to, to show everybody how, how it's done. But, uh, you know, you still have to have some degree of, of technology, some degree of experience with technology. Uh, you know, teachers are going to have to become more technologically oriented. Right. Well, and I think as, as you sit here and talk, I keep thinking about more and more potential topics for, for future um, uh, <laughs> podcasts and conversations for us, because I think you mentioned earlier about, you know, you having the luxury a little bit of having a student body who's, who's, who, when they go home, they've been, they have a good wireless internet. They have, they have mm -hmm. the technology at the home where you have a lot of schools and public schools and, and, and private like that, that the students don't have that. And so you have that digital divide um, that, but the digital divide that you're hearing about is really twofold in the fact that you have um, the students who do not have technology at their homes, right? Versus mm -hmm. the, 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 when they're at the school, they do have technology and the, and the students who do and the teachers who do or whatever it may be. So you have that digital divide between the students and the, and the faculty, but then you also now with this influx of potential technology that you're talking about putting in the classroom that can really help change the way we educate and the kids learn, you have to have faculty who know how to use it. Right. And the downside is so much of our faculty, uh, they may be unbelievably great teachers, but if they don't know how to use the technology that's needed as we move forward, they're not gonna be as successful as they maybe once were. And, and so there has to be that desire and that and to, to learn and continue to develop professionally for them, but also for people like yourself to provide quality professional development um, right. uh, for them so that, that they don't have a bunch of technology that they don't know how to use. Right, I mean, I have to essentially become a teacher to the teachers. And, and that's, that's, that's how I've modeled what I do is I teach the teachers how to integrate what they have and, and i and i have two basic requirements when i come when i look at a piece of technology i will say number one can this be transparent for the teacher do they is it something that they can handle without interrupting the style of teaching that they use the other side is it has to be transparent to the student can the student use the same technology in the same way the teacher is doing without it altering the information that the student receives. Um, that's hard to do. There, there, are, there are things that, uh, yeah, I mean, it's a great piece of technology, but you know what, it's a distraction. Mm -hmm. uh, or the, you know, it's a really good piece of, uh, of technology, but you almost have to have a, a master's degree to do it, to use it. Right. Uh, so, I, you know, as a, as a technology director, I've got to take everything that I see and filter it through, you know, a couple of, of different uh, uh, filters and say, how, how would this work for a student? How would this work for a teacher? How would this work for a teacher that knows nothing about technology? How would this work for a teacher that knows everything about technology? Well, and and, I think that, that goes back and it circles back to a couple of things. One, one of the first answers you gave me during our conversation was that you guys you know, took three days and trained the teachers on how to use Zoom, you mm -hmm. know, and, and, you know, now, you know, however many months later, that just seems, you know, 
crazy that you yeah. get this three days to teach teachers how to use something that, that we all now use without even thinking. And, right. um, and which is, which is hilarious to me. I mean, it, it's, it's kind of crazy. And, and so, um, and then the simply piece that you have, um, where you're talking about how it, it needs to be simple. Um, they need to be able to use it without thinking. I love the word transparent technology. I, 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 I've heard invisible technology as well. Like mm -hmm. you gotta have it in there, but you gotta be able to make it to where it's just, it's not the focus of the classroom. Um, the, the, the education and, and the learning and, and the subject matter needs to be the focus of the classroom, not the big display on the wall or, or the, you know, the cameras or whatever it may be. Um, it's the experience and the learning that is. And so how do you do that? How do you do that well? And so um, having it be simple is important. And that's kind of, that goes back to me when I have conversations with people like you and others, you know, truly trying to, you know, be in that tagline that, that is data projection, which is simply connected. Um, mm -hmm. The name of this podcast, you know, how do we simply connect people? How do we, how do we do that? And um, I want to thank you for uh, being a part of this and, and, you know, sharing your insights and your thoughts and your struggles and, and the, the, the things that worked well and things that didn't, you know, and uh, I really mm -hmm. appreciate it. Absolutely. Anytime. Hey, Chris, that was a very good discussion. And he, I loved how he has such a good vision for, you know, this is what we're doing this year in 21 and end of 22, but I'm already looking what is it going to be like five years from now? And he's got a great vision and, and you know, some ideas for things like that, which I thought was awesome. Um, he did mention that he wants all classes to be identical. Well, and I think that's kind of a cool piece in all reality, because I, I, I've dealt with this with kind of trying to integrate systems at the higher education level and the, high, and, and the K-12 level. And having that consistency where they're all exactly the same if you have when the students change classrooms when if the faculty have to change classrooms their experience is going to be the same i can um, understand that yeah that is to me makes a lot of sense and and it also is the administration and the in the instructional side the curriculum side of the school driving what the room looks like and how it's going to be used um, as opposed to walking into a classroom for an installation and a rogue teacher says, I well, I want my my computer over here. And mm -hmm. so you have a completely different install for one teacher um, who might be there one year or maybe two. Um, and so having that consistency across the board is important, but also it also it, you know, every kid knows they're going to get the same experience. Every faculty knows that they're going to give the same experience. And that that's a, that to me makes a lot of sense. Yes, yes. The other thing he talked about, you know, just um, that they were not going to do a hybrid learning anymore, which I've heard a lot of districts say that they are either virtual or in person. And, you know, I know you, you guys talked about the, um, you know, the snow day. I mean, we've heard that many times that there's no longer going to be a snow day. And we know there are going to be certain circumstances where it will be, you know, I mean, my gosh, we had a hurricane in Houston today you know, and things shut down and a lot of people don't have power. You can't do virtual learning if you don't have power. So those, I didn't even think about, but that's true, those circumstances. But talking about the virtual and the, you know, a lot of the things that he was saying, I had a popping in my brain, just 
solutions that we have that can kind of support some of the things he said. For instance, you know, a YouTube video with questions embedded. You know, that's that's not a new thing, and that's you know, it might it was exciting to me. I was like, oh yes, we definitely know how to do that. Well, and I think that and some of the other stuff that he had talked about is is stuff that, um, and he and I talked about it a little bit more later too. But it's stuff that. Um, they came about because they'd already in a lot of ways maxed their budgets out with other stuff and so how can we figure out free ways to improve what we're doing um and so youtube is free right to, to for the most part right or i guess it is and, and and so if there's a way to do it with youtube and all those kind of things right that's the way that's the thing now what you and I both know, and, and a lot of people will, will tell you is that there's, there are, you know, server, video on demand servers that can be integrated for schools and basically make your own, you know, uh, you know, ABC ISDs YouTube page for schools, and it can do so much. Um, but I think being able to integrate that for a school district is not something that can happen overnight, which is really what we were pushed into during the pandemic, um, which is why I think that four to five year vision that he was talking about and sharing was so big because having that kind of a, a vision and that kind of you know long-term planning allows you to really say, okay, what's the solution that we really need? Okay, how can we implement that over time? Um, right. and, and I think, you know, some of the, the physical classroom stuff that he was talking about where he can, you know, if you're doing a virtual room and you can see every single one of your kids on the far side, there are solutions that, that allow you to do that now. Um, it's not an easy um, installation. Um, you're right. It's not an overnight. It's, not yes. an over but that's why it's successful because but, it's a well thought out solution. Well, in and, and not only that though, but I think it's something that what, you know, if I were to guess, it's not something that's going to happen in every single classroom at a school district, but maybe every campus will have one legitimate virtual classroom and they do it right eventually. And, you know, that's, and, and where you do have, you know, a video wall on the back wall of the classroom and a, an instructor who sits at the front and each student gets their own display. Um, and, and you're able to communicate that way. And by utilizing software and, and uh, a combination of software and hardware for, um, you know, sharing content and video. It's I think it's very doable. Um, right. And it's doable. Okay, last. Oh. But it happen, you know, over the next few years. I think is going to be interesting to see how that how that works out. Yep. And last thing, I want us to put a note down. I want to bring back the discussion about flipped learning. I mean, flipped learning's been around for. 20 plus years and it is such a great concept and it could assist and kind of be melded into this virtual kind of in and out of virtual learning because it, it kind of puts the student in charge of some of their learning, which is really great. And then, you know, I know we need to wrap this up. When, when COVID and everything and the pandemic first hit, I made the comment to a friend of mine. I said, dude, if, if there's a teacher who had already implemented the flipped classroom in their, in their uh, curriculum, that teacher's a rock star right now. And that teacher would have been completely successful yeah. with her students. Unbelievably right. successful um, mm -hmm. during the pandemic because they were ready. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, so, yeah, I think you're right. I think that's a conversation that needs to be had.
So. All right. Well, thanks for, for joining us here on Simply Connected and uh, we'll see you next time.